Welcome to the Get Paid for Your Creativity podcast, the only podcast show dedicated to courageous, inspired, innovative entrepreneurs ready to fully tap into their purpose, express with passion, and create businesses that change lives and transform the world. Hello, my name is Rodney Washington, author, artist, entrepreneur, and your host. Five days a week, I'll be sharing cutting-edge business, creativity, and marketing tips, inspiration, insights, and feature interviews with extraordinary creative entrepreneurs. So grab your favorite beverage, set back, and enjoy today's show. Wonderful and welcome. Thank you, everyone, for listening in on today's interview Thursday on the Get Paid for Your Creativity podcast. Today I'm here with a special guest, which I'm really excited to uh, bring to you. This is Mr. Christopher Ford of stitchesanddishes.com. Now, before I uh, give the bio on Chris, I'd like to first just ask you a question. Have you ever considered starting a blog, taking a passion that you have, something that you really love to do, and turning it into a blog that not only reaches hundreds, possibly thousands, maybe even perhaps millions of people, something that actually blends all of your interests, all of your talents, and brings everything into one platform where people are coming, reading and devouring everything that you write and everything you share. Well, the gentleman I'm bringing to you today has done exactly that. Christopher Ford is the founder and the co-founder and creator of the very popular food blog, combining his passion for food, photography, and video to stitchesanddishes.com, which was actually inspired by his American staff, I'm sorry, a Bichon American staff dog, Stitch, which is a beautiful dog. I love him. Uh, and I actually know Chris personally. We've worked together in the past, and he's got an amazing brand. Conceived in August of 2011 during a weekend-long brainstorming session, Christopher, his co-founder, Andrew Nakora, and myself sat down and came up with the concept for Stitches and Dishes, which he's going to talk about today. As I said, blending Chris's true passions for food, fun, photography, and film, Stitches and Dishes was was founded on the extraordinary world of street food and the phenomena that has swept the country, but expanded to include restaurants last year. Stitches and Dishes has quickly become an industry authority with significant presence on social networks and are sought after for their advice and input for startups, marketing trends, business analysis, event organizing efforts, and day-to-day operations input. Within months of conception, Stitches and Dishes caught the attention of East Street producers of the popular Food Network's hit TV show, and a new relationship was born. A regular part of the East Street blog site, contributing stories about food experiences around California and beyond. Like the Stitches on a Quilt, Stitches and Dishes combines social networking, blogging, mobile media, press, print distribution, and video, creating buzz and a following that brings people to their favorite dishes. And later on in the show, Chris is going to talk about his latest project for Paula Dean's Bag Lady Foundation, an organization created by the famous chef to help women in transition. And I'll let him tell us more about that later on in the podcast. So with all of that said, I want to say thank you and welcome to Chris Ford. Chris, how are you today? Thank you. Thank you, Rodney. That was a very nice introduction. I'm doing great, and it's just great to be here talking with you today. Wonderful. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. So before we get into all of the details and the nuances and all of the, the, the juicy stuff about what has turned stitches and dishes, and you know, before I get into this, I want to say this real quick. I just realized that the blog will be two years old next month. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So in less than two years, you've, you've done a massive amount and become a huge influencer, which again, I'm going to let you talk about that a little bit on later in the show. But before we get into that, I want to ask you, what were you doing before you launched Stitches, Stitches and Dishes? What were you doing before that? Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I guess I'm still doing the same thing that I was doing before Stitches and Dishes. You know, I, Stitches and Dishes is, is kind of a new, a new project that I, I added on to everything else that I was already doing. I had I, already been working as a, a fashion and entertainer, entertainment photographer, uh, and, um, and I was going south. It's, uh, the business was really slowing down. And I'm also a regulatory consultant to medical device manufacturers. I help help these companies bring their products to the market through FDA and, and other government offices. But fashion entertainment, like I said, was, was really kind of slowing down. It's a fully saturated, saturated market. And, and I wanted to do something to, to expand the offering at Photo Mojo, which is the company that I originally founded for fashion entertainment photography. And, and like you said in the introduction, 
I, I brought together a few people, uh, you included, for this weekend in Santa Barbara, which is one of my favorite places on earth, and, and, and thought, you know, let's, let's put our heads together and come up with something. And so I, I continue to do those things that I had been doing before, but now Stitches and Dishes is just more or less um, another, another part of who I am. So let me ask you about that. How important, I mean, I know that a lot, a lot of people listening, again, they've been thinking about doing a blog, and there's so much information out there now about how to start a blog and, you know, how to get the mechanics of all of that set up, which we'll talk about a little bit of that in a moment. But, you know, as you and I were, as you just shared, you and I sat down with Andrew and we sort of conceptualized what Stitches and Dishes could become, and I know someone listening to this may thinking, God, you know, I have a, a passion for fill-in-the-blank. And I've been thinking about a blog, but I'm not sure yet, but maybe this is going to give me some ideas. Before you start to even register the domain name, you know, and, and start to pick the platform you're going to use, how, do you, how would you know if your idea is really suitable for a blog? Well, you know, it's, uh, I think that's a really tough question to answer, first of all, because um, there are just as many reasons to blog to create a blog as there are ideas and people and you know it's it's what what fuels the passion for the blog i i think that that really answers that question is it is it a blog because you want to blog because you're just passionate about any particular topic it could be food or or it, it could be you know collecting stamps or or movie paraphernalia, or whatever memorabilia. You know, is, if it's just a personal passion and you're just doing it as a hobby, that's one thing. As a brand, as a possible business opportunity, or as a personal brand, um, let's say you want to become someone who's on on the Food Network, for example. Maybe I want my own show and I want to create my own personal brand so people can recognize me. I think you need to look into the business aspect first. Look at the feasibility, um, and that would be depending on your experience or your resources that are available to you, that would include like market studies, looking at, at what the, uh, what other bloggers are writing about being very familiar and being a true authority in your area of expertise will, will kind of set the tone for whether or not that blog can be successful. So passion, uh, having a deep passion for creating the content that's going to be required, you would say would be a very important yeah, absolutely. Because you need it needs to come across as as something that's genuine and true, right? You know, if you're if you're truly passionate about something, that will show. And no matter what, if you're on television, you're on the radio, you're podcasting or you're blogging, um, your passion is going to show if if it's really there. And 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 then it's genuine, and people actually are attracted to that. And uh, and also it also gives you credibility. Right, right, and I agree. I think passion is important, and then, of course, I also think that having having goals for where you want this to go—not just the blog platform itself, but who you want it to to influence. I right. know when you and I first started talking, you were very early. Your one of your first target goals was to attract the attention of, of in this case, the Food Network, and that happened in a very short amount of time. So yeah, uh, right. would you say goals are important to have in terms of who you want to connect with, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. I think the uh, initial stages when you're establishing a blog for branding purposes or business purposes is to set that, that put that plan in place. Um, a good marketing and PR strategy is, it's critical, and that strategy includes a very detailed plan and and your goals. Who do you want? Who do you want to reach? Who is your average reader uh, or listener going to be? Who is that person that you want to actually communicate with, and how are you going to reach them? And and then you establish a plan. Or in my case, I I wanted to uh, be able to reach certain people, but I also wanted to gain the attention of of um, of some networks like Food Network. And so I, I actually put that in my plan and actually worked toward toward that goal. And it happened a lot faster than we thought it would. And it was it kind of took us by surprise when it did happen. But um, but it was great. <laughs> Didn't complain yeah. about that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what you know. As as we're listening, as everyone's listening to this podcast again, because I'm intimately familiar with what's what we're talking about because I was a part of that first. 
that first sort of, you know, few months of getting everything in place. But I know that just for the listeners to make this a teaching experience for you as well is, as Chris has mentioned, said, have a passion for your topic, a deep passion for your topic, because that's going to come through to your readers. However, you know, readers or listeners or viewers, if you're doing video, for example, to have your target goals, what do you want to, who do you want to, what do you want to accomplish, who's like the people you want to reach, and I'd like to add on a little bit to what Chris has already said by having who is already in connection or communication with the audience that you want to reach, because those people, as I'm sure you probably agree, Chris, will be the way that your platform is going to, you know, what can you bring to these organizations that your platform would be a great fit for because they're going to help you reach your audiences a lot faster. Absolutely, absolutely. And your team in general, it's not something that, it can be done as a solo. A lot of of bloggers start off just on their own and they they work toward those goals. Um, Personally, I like to surround myself with people who can contribute things like yourself, um, Andrew has been instrumental in, in, you know, launching and continuing to um, keep our content flowing. Uh, I think it's really important to have a, um, a strong team around you who can contribute to different areas and, uh, and actually build that brand up. I think that's the reason why we actually moved as quickly as we did um, was simply because we had multiple people resources working on it you were working on on there was a a big portion of you know without your help in the beginning um we certainly wouldn't have launched as quickly as we did and uh with with the power that we had behind us it was it was a um i would say we we definitely there was a power punch to the internet when we when we launched stitches and dishes i mean we 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 went all out uh so um there are degrees i think that you can go you know you can go so far with uh if you're doing it alone um and you're let's say for example just set up a wordpress.com account and start blogging um it'll eventually grow it could take off you never know but it, it, with the plan in, a proper plan in place and uh strong resources around you to actually put put those those uh um those plans into motion um you can move a lot faster Wonderful. Now, let me ask you, because I know, and again, I know your situation for some listening might be a little special because you did have the resources to put together a mini team, if you will, but I think a a, a mini powerful team. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was really three of us really doing everything in the very beginning, but uh, with someone listening who may not have that and it's just them creating the content, how often should they be looking at at publishing, I mean, should it be weekly? Is it you know a couple times a week? What what's your considering you're a single person doing this part time? What kind of schedule do you think that they would need to have in order to start to you know build up the content on the blog and get some things going? I think it's really critical to have something like Google is important to you, which I think most people who blog, it's really important to be found on the search engines. You're not going to be found if your keywords aren't ever picked up by the search engines. Um, and one of the first things that Google will look for when it's crawling the, the web is, is frequency of posts. Um, you don't need to post. I wouldn't say you need to post uh, multiple times per day. I do know some bloggers who do that. Personally, I, I didn't have the time for that. And uh, But we did post regularly. I mean, I've, I've hired multiple people to write for the blog before, and so we could keep a frequency there. I would recommend to anyone starting off a new blog to post once a day, um, starting off. And then, and then you can scale that back once you have an entrenchment uh and that's when google has has periodically crawled your site and you're you're popping up on google for for various keywords the more popularity you gain the less often you have to actually post for example stitches and dishes currently we're we're right around 150,000 unique visitors per month on our site with our activity in reporting on certain events surrounding Paula Dean, for example, our viewers, our readers have gone up to 1.5 to 3 million in a, in a given month uh, over this last month and a half. So, and we don't post very often. Honestly, I'm mostly the only one writing any longer for Stitches and Dishes at this point in time. 
and I can't post every day. And sometimes I can't even post once a week, but I still get very regular, unique visitors to the site, at least 5,000 a day, regardless of how many times I'm posting. I I do know that uh, some bloggers actually even wait you know, a month before they post another blog post and and they're still popular. So what really matters is in the very beginning, and I would say the first six months, I would concentrate on stocking up on blog posts, scheduling them out so that, you know, maybe take an afternoon every Saturday and write, you know, five blog posts so that they're scheduled to post every day. Just keep that content going. And, And the keywords that are used are obviously extremely critical. You've got to have the right keywords in your article, use them correctly. So SEO is definitely so important and, um, and, and it'll get you noticed. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now, um, and I, I agree with that. I think if you're starting out and you, you know, your time schedule, your time restraints are there. I think that before you even launch probably have, uh, maybe even a month's worth of content already yeah, sort of banked up so that you can then stay a month ahead of yourself, which I think is a great idea. I love that. I love that. Now, I want to ask a little bit of a technical question here um, in terms of platforms, because I know that was a challenge in the first year. We tried one platform, didn't quite work out exactly the way we hoped, and had to switch platforms. So platform, and when I mean platform for the listeners, I'm talking about the actual uh, software, the program that you're using to actually run the actual blog. Uh, how important is it to, and do you have a platform or a software that you really have found has really been able to meet with the demands of all of this traffic that you're now getting to the site? Yeah, so this is important, um, and and I agree, and I know I can say this much. I, I have a very popular blog, and I am not an expert on blog platforms. I live and swear by WordPress, first of all, but... That's only because it's the only thing I ever knew. It was what you, I believe, recommended it to me. And uh, and I used it, loved it, had no reason to even, even think about anything else. I read a million things online about how great WordPress is and how Google loves WordPress. And I, I thought, I'm convinced WordPress is what I need to use. And what you were referring to with the, the, the little hiccups that we had was, you know, we were using a, um, you create your own template from, from this, this theme. And that developer stopped supporting that version of the, that theme that we were using, and we were stuck, and we couldn't upgrade our WordPress. And it's really important to upgrade WordPress. Every they they send you out a notice that you know there's an up, update available, and if you don't update, you're most likely going to end up being hacked by these you know hackers out there. Uh, there are a lot of security breaches in WordPress constantly, so they're constantly patching it because the hackers are out there breaking into WordPress. So if you don't update, you end up getting hacked, and that's what happened. You know, our site was hacked. We were taken offline completely. Um, we were flagged by Google as a malicious website. It was a very, very ugly situation. Um, we were coming up right on our, our one-year anniversary so it was a critical time for Stitches and Dishes. We had a lot of announcements coming out. We had a lot of celebrations uh, to report about. And um, suddenly we had no website, no blog. Um, and everything that we had worked to that point was just gone. It was just, I mean, you couldn't do anything with this website. So um, uh, I do think that it's it's very critical to... Yeah, get WordPress. That's that's the easy decision to make. But then after that, you you know, most people who are blogging can't afford to hire um, the web developers and graphic artists and all that kind of stuff. Um, and if you're doing it on your own, maybe you'll buy a template. But just need to be careful that that template is going to be supported by that developer on an ongoing basis. Because if you become, you know, a victim like we were, where we were stranded, we couldn't change anything. We were stuck. Um, you're you're basically going to have to start from scratch again, and that's what we had to do. We were lucky; we were able to pull all of our our previous blog posts off of the the database um, on our host server. Um, but it, it was it was quite a um, a challenge to pull everything together and to rebuild the site from scratch, and uh, um, with no support whatsoever from from the developer they just basically said sorry we don't support that version any longer and and we were 
<laughs> that was it. <laughs> we were done. Yeah. So it's really important. Now we use, right currently, Stitches and Dishes is using a, uh, a template that was developed by a company called Magazine 3. Um, and they have some great templates. They're very responsive and they support uh, um, responsive themes. Actually, as soon as I use the word responsive, that's um, where the website is actually mobile friendly. So you can look at our website on your cell phone and it resizes accordingly. And um, and it, it doesn't show up perfectly on every single mobile device, but it's it's responsive, and, and uh, those are important features. Wonderful. And I will put this in the show notes for listen, for listeners who uh, the, the theme that um, uh, Chris has mentioned, Magazine 3, I'll put it in the show notes with the link that you can go and check out their, their site and all the different options that they do have. So I will make sure that everyone listening has that information available to you. And thank you so much for being so candid about that because I do I, yeah, I remember that was a, not, a, not a pretty period, but it's one of those things where you don't know. I mean, you start out something and you think – well, pretty much now, I mean, you can set up a, a word, like I said, a basic WordPress blog in a matter of an hour now. I mean, you can right. set up an account with like GoDaddy and they've got a, a template right there and you can get started pretty easily. But again, going back to goals and planning, if this thing starts to really take off, you're going to start getting those growing pains and they they may happen as fast as it happened for you. And that that internal infrastructure, you have to think about those things. So it, it's something that, um, you know, that's why I brought you on. It's like you've, gone, you've probably gone through the high, the lowest lows and the highest highs that can probably happen with starting this, and you've gone through them all, and, and you're still there on top. So, Yeah, and it was all in a very short period of time. Like I said, we're still we're, we're coming up on our second anniversary, so we're, we're, we're barely even two years old yet. Right, right, and I just remember that uh, actually. I just, I just we were talking before the pre-interview and realized that yes, Digits and Dishes will be two years old next month. So a lot has happened in a very short amount of time. So I want to move right into talking about marketing and attracting readers because I know once you've gotten all of this set up, you found your passion, you've got your platform picked, the thing is started, you got content, you got to get readers because that's the lifeblood of a blog. Yeah. What do you recommend, Chris? What do you recommend to get readers' eye, eyeballs on those on those pages? Yeah, my my uh, this is this is going to be an ambiguous answer. My my my, I think my most used tool in in um in marketing my blog is persistence. I I'm persistent about everything that I do, and this is it's it's all about persistence and consistency. So be persistent and consistent. And uh, and this is what's really important. No matter what tools you decide to implement, you just have to use them persistently and consistently. And and so it is important to know what your fan base is using. For example, um, most of our our foodie audience are on Facebook. Um, we have over twelve thousand fans on Facebook now, um, wow. and we've got about. 2,000 followers on, on Twitter. There's a lot of foodies on Twitter. There's a lot of food trucks on Twitter um, all announcing their next locations and all that kind of stuff. But most of our fan base is on, on, on um, Facebook. Um, we don't pay a whole lot of attention to Google+, Plus, for example. We don't pay a whole lot of attention to Instagram, um, although I'm constantly taking pictures when I'm out at restaurants or at a food truck, and we do share them on Facebook. So we always find a way to bring it back to our core audience, and that's really important is, is know where your core audience is, is, and there's no one answer for anybody. There are many, many businesses that won't even approach Facebook because they, their audience doesn't exist there. Uh, they're all on Twitter, or maybe they're all on Pinterest. Uh, you, just, you have to understand where your audience is based. That's the first thing. And so what we do is um, we've grown our, our Facebook fan page and our Twitter following by persistently posting our blog posts and interacting with our, our, our fan base there. Interacting and engaging with, with, um, with a fan base can seem impossible on, on any of these, these uh, networks. Uh, and it just, you just have to stick with it. It's uh, just saying things, asking questions, even if no one's answering you. You're, you're just doing it just to go through the motions because those motions are, are putting in little marks on edge rank on Facebook and you're getting noticed and it's, it's, 
it's going to take some time to entrench yourself into Facebook, but it does happen. Eventually, your, your, your followers start communicating with you and engaging with you, and, uh, and that's really what, what we did. We, we focused a lot. I have an extensive marketing and, and, uh, and PR background, so I focused a lot of uh, my initial planning on a marketing plan um, that included Facebook and some print advertising, appearances at, at um, uh, conferences or uh, trade shows. In fact, you went to a trade show with us. All of these things all kind of culminate together. And, of course, having those, those brand ambassadors for you that, that um, are, have some influence on the Internet are, is also really important. Gordon Ramsay mentioned us on, on, on Twitter, and that, that day we, we had probably 800 new, new fans that day on Twitter because Gordon Ramsay mentioned us. So uh, it's important you know, to, to continue to build that. But it's, it just takes time and a lot of persistence. You have to be very patient and, and just not give up. And then most people do give up because they feel like, you know, they're just spinning their wheels and it's not getting anywhere. But it does. It just takes a lot of time before it gets anywhere, you know, really picks up. Absolutely. You know, and you echoed so many things. You know, I, I find that because we live in such a, a instant gratification-based society and social media, of course, being at the cornerstone of a lot of that, is that we we are judging many of us in ourselves internally we're judging our success rate by how many people are liking or commenting or sharing our individual daily post and um if you're just starting out and you post things one time 10 times 20 times and you get a couple of likes and usually those are people who already know you um or you're getting a couple of comments again those people who already know you and mm-hmm. you're feeling like you're not getting any traction going on, people start then pulling back. But that's the time when, based on what I hear you saying, is when you need to push even harder because I think with everything, people are looking to see, are you going to be someone that's going to be around That's right. for a while? And I think they're looking for that to see if you're going to be around. So it may, even though people aren't commenting, liking, or sharing your posts, it does not mean that they're not watching you. That's right. That's right. And and they do eventually start commenting and liking. And there are times still today when we'll post something on our page, and um, I have no idea why, but it'll only get you know 15 likes on it. Where I'll post something a different day, and it'll have 85 likes on it. You know, it's the uh, you, you can never really know what's going to happen on the internet. You can kind of get a guess by looking at your your insights, looking at your your analytics for Facebook or Twitter or whatever, when people are looking at your content, that's when you really want to start getting a little more serious about your posting. But in the very beginning, keep posting consistently, um, get a little bit personal at times so people can know, you know, that there's a person behind this and get to know you a little bit in your personality. Let your point of view show um, if, you know, if you're, very passionate about any particular topic whatsoever or, um, you know, whatever, a slant, you, uh, you, you let that show on your, your, your posts on Facebook. And eventually people start picking up on it. And once they do start picking up on it, then you look at your analytics and see when most people are online looking at your stuff. Facebook tells you the time of day that people are responding or, or, or that you see the most responses to, to posts. So if you if you're posting at 6 p.m., for example, on the West Coast, chances are you'll have a lot more viewers looking at your content at that particular time. Um, it just depends on the, the content and what what uh, what your subject is. But yeah, but absolutely. you know, that's, as you as you progress, that's what you'll do is and, and monitor those things. Look at the things that people respond to more. Like you know, if I post something about our fundraiser that we're working on right now, it'll get a lot of responses, a lot of shares. If I post something about a restaurant review, it may not be as popular. So I mean, I, I know what topics people are going to get excited about. And I can also, um, I guess you could say play with those numbers a little bit. For example, I, I know that, let's say I know that um, people on my page are going to get really excited if I post something about a fundraiser that we're working on. But at the same time, I want to promote a blog post. 
I'll post both of those items at the same time. I know I want to get some eyeballs on my blog post about this restaurant review. So I'm going to post something first about this fundraiser to get a lot of people excited about what's going on on my page. And then within minutes of that, I'll post something about my, my restaurant review. And I just did that a couple of days ago. And um, my restaurant review blog post got 1,400 likes on it on Facebook within two hours. Wow. So, I mean, those are, those are the things that you can do to kind of, um, you know, get people's attention. You throw something out that's really a, a major interest, and at the same time you throw something else out that, you know, hey, you may not have known this, uh, but I write restaurant reviews as well. So they, they you know, they get excited about that. So it, it, it's just using those numbers to your advantage after you've kind of entrenched yourself in Facebook is what I'm saying. Absolutely. So what I'm getting, again, I like to always refer these back to just solid teaching points. And again, I'll put these in the notes. Actually, I've got something in my head that I'm going to work on for all of you listening to kind of send a step-by-step. Because like I said, I was very involved in the first year of Stitches and Dishes uh, creation. So backtracking to what Chris and I are talking about today, as you're listening to this and getting ready to put your plan together for using this platform, what I'm getting is, again, be clear about your passion. What are you really loving to do? Two, get your goals. What benchmarks do you want to hit? Three, know your audience. Know where know where they are. And I want to also say something to listening, um, just everyone, is that I know there's a myth that people will say to you that, you know, you need to be on every platform. You need to be on especially the big four, LinkedIn, Pinterest, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. And I don't necessarily agree with that in the beginning. I think that you need to be one on the platforms where your audience is hanging out, which, you know, Chris has already shared with you. Uh, be on the platform where your audience is hanging out. And I think it also helps to curb the uh, possibilities of getting social media ADD where you're not sure, you know, where <laughs> to go right. because you're just all over the place trying to be everything to everyone. And we're living in a society now where people are looking for very specific solutions. I know a woman right now that has created an entire business out of creating sweaters for greyhounds, just greyhound dogs. That's it. <laughs> you know, but that's an audience, and there are people out there that love greyhounds, and like who knew? But that's how specific we've we've gotten now. You know, if you're gonna do a blog about, say, a certain breed of dog, for an example, just focus on that. When Stitches and Dishes first started, we were just focusing on food trucks. That's right, right. And because it keeps you from scattering yourself and going crazy. I mean, would you agree, Chris? Because if we were out there trying to review restaurants and food trucks and this and that, there would have been nothing to, to um, first of all, I think it would have just scattered us too much. But two, I think it just, it, no one would have had anything to hook us on. Right. Um, it, yeah, exactly. And that's why we did, um, you know, scale back after we, we launched, even with, just focusing on on um, on the food truck phenomenon, um, we still had grand grand ideas in place, uh, and they were all fantastic, great ideas, and they still are, and they're still there on the on the burner. Uh, like our magazine, we have a print magazine, uh, our internet TV show, uh, we have multiple series that we've been toying with, just testing all kinds of different ideas for new media shows. We've We've actually, well, we we signed, but then didn't actually uh, didn't actually produce the show. But we had an internet TV show that we were we had signed with a um, with a uh, a Billboard top ten artist, recording artist who was going to be our show host, and uh, and we may still pursue that, but we we needed to scale back because for that very reason, we were really spreading ourselves too thin, and uh, and one of the lessons I learned a long time ago. Um, it was you don't really know that you've bitten off too much until you have a mouthful, right? You, you're going to take a bite and you realize, whoa, I have bitten off more than I can chew. And you don't know until you, until you try it. That's really the, the lesson learned was, you know, you don't know. I didn't know that it would be too much to take on video production and a magazine production and a blog production, um, as well as do all the other things that I do. For some reason, I thought I was going to be able to spread myself that thin. And, um, and it was all great because it got us 
some exposure and we've tried a lot of things and we're, we continue learning, but you really have to stay focused. It's like, do you want to be a blog? Do you want to be a TV show? Do you want, what do you want to do? Focus on those things and then grow into the other areas of media that you want to grow into. Um, or if you want to expand your coverage, maybe, maybe the person you're talking about is going to go from greyhounds to some other dog, dachshunds also or something, and she wants to expand out to dogs or cats. But she's going to start with what she knows most, what she's most passionate about, which is the greyhound. And it's a specialized topic, and she has a specialized audience that she can really grow from. And then you, that's where you, you branch off from. And, and I agree. I think that – but you can't – you won't know unless you try. You know, and that's, that's really the right. bottom line. You have to be willing to give things a shot, be willing to scale things back, recognize your own – your own limitations and your own mistakes, learn from them and, and continue moving forward. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you know, the thing that I will say already, and you're, again, I'm, I'm speaking to you all from the perspective of a teaching point here. So again, you know, take notes, but I'm going to give you notes as well in on the show notes page. But as you're conceptualizing everything and you're getting clear about your audience and all of that, and, you, and that, which is the most important thing, Start finding out where they're hanging out and get out of your house. <laughs> yeah. You cannot grow a blog platform or any platform for that matter. I mean, we did not sit at home reading stuff on other people's websites and cobbling together articles. We were getting out on the street, going to the food trucks, and, and trying the food and talking to the owners and letting them know after we had, you know, tried their food and, 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 and you know, taken some pictures, who we were. And it got to a point right away that when, I know this happened to you uh, several times, Chris, because you were living up north and I was living in Los Angeles at the time, that people knew who you were because they saw Stitch. That's right. And that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, I, uh, that's my, my proudest accomplishment, I think. Yes, is, I was going to ask that, that question that. in a moment so we can fast forward that one up now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's being recognized. I know I didn't go into this thinking that, you know, I I want to become famous and or I want to be recognized. I, I wasn't dreaming that people would line up for my autograph or anything. But I, I think, you know, there there's so many great things. First of all, I have to say in the two years that we have not even quite yet, two years that we have been on the Internet, uh, there's so many great things I can say about stitches and disses. I wouldn't even really be able to pinpoint one that I'm most proud of. But, you know, it, it's just it's for me, it's hard to believe that, that we're only two years old yet. We've accomplished so many things. Like every one of them is a celebration. I'll, I'll tell you, they all seem to be just equally as impactful in my life and big to me I, than the last one. But things like, um, we were recognized as a, as a news source by Huffington post or CNN. Um, I've written things that have appeared on, on those publications. Our latest story that went on CNN got picked up by national media and it's been reported by hundreds of outlets. I signed a syndication deal. So now syndicated through news text. I'm a media correspondent, of course, for Food Network show, Eat Street, now just in its fifth season, by the way. And uh, I was the first media correspondent for the show that actually hosted a, uh, a wine and food festival, a food, well, food trucks at that festival, which was a, a huge, huge thing for us. And, uh, and of course, we, we helped launch a cookbook. And um, I've been really fortunate to work with a lot of creative and uh, talented people over at, at Pepperdine Entertainment, which uh, uh, produces that show. You know, we, we've done so much, uh, I think, but the most significant thing that we've done is develop that brand. That was the big thing that we always thought to do from the beginning was I want to establish a brand that's synonymous with um, gourmet food experiences and my name and, and Chris Ford, even though Stitches and Dishes is its own brand. I'm the, I'm the guy standing behind it. I'm the one who I'm the, the, the image behind Stitches and Dishes and that recognition that we get is validation that we did just what we sought out to do. Um, when we started this project, when we sat there on the beach in Santa Barbara two years ago and thought, a food blog? <laughs> I wanted to develop a brand around it, and that's why I put so much effort into 
you know, hiring branding experts to work with us to develop this branding and, um, and to develop our image. And now I'm recognized where I go. And it's just, it's, it's a, I can say I'm, I, I get a lot of respect and that to me is a validation that, that, that we really achieved what we sought to do. You know, we, we set out to establish a brand that that's going to be recognized and respected and that will be an authority in food. And we've done just that. And, uh, and I'm extremely proud of that. You know, just all of the accomplishments that, that, that we've, you know, we've, we've had so many different things that have happened in the last two years. None of them really add up quite to, that that recognition that we get they don't really stack up as much as when we we've gone to places and they they they've said that they they read stitches and dishes or that they've heard of chris ford or uh they've heard of the eat street show or or whatever i i'm just so proud of that you know it's just it's a lot of hard work that that went into that and, and a lot of dedicational and and it's just it's a great, great, great payoff. It's just something that I could I could close the blog down today and feel fully accomplished in in what we sought out to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think that that's the thing that everyone really needs to get from what you're saying is that the you know we always focus on a lot of times we focus on the quote unquote the the, the product we're focusing on the blog or the book or the whatever you know whatever it is that we're tangibly selling quote unquote to someone but what what I'm getting from what you're saying and what I'm hoping that everyone listening is getting from what you're saying is that you set out from the very beginning to create a brand and the blog was the medium that you used to get the message out there right Love that. Absolutely. Love that. Love that. And I think this is really important to really, you know, emphasize here at this point in, in, in our discussion together because, you know, it's going to take, no matter what you end up doing, listening to this, what you decide to do with this information that you're getting today, it's going to take a lot of work and time to to get those things going. So it better be something that you're ready to really go out after full force because, you know, it can happen quickly. I mean, if you really think about it, two years is not a lot of time. That's right. It can happen quickly, but as you said, the persistence and the uh, and the consistency, cons- persistent consistency, is what made it happen as quickly as it did. When no one, I mean, I remember posting things up on. I remember we went to this back and forth for the first few months with Twitter. It's like we'd get ten followers and lose fifteen. We'd get ten followers <laughs> and lose, you know. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Yeah, it's what one thing that uh blogging is not is easy. Uh it's easy if it's just uh, a diary. If you have your I have a friend who just created a a blog because she's riding the subway system to work now and uh and she she had driven to work before, but but her employer offers a subsidy for riding public transportation. So she's been riding on the subway, and she decided her friend she would post on Facebook about her fun or interesting weird experiences on the subway with the interesting people that ride on the subway. And her friends would say you should blog about that. So she did. She started a blog, and now she just writes about these funny little quirky things that happen to her on the subway. Now it's just a hobby for it. It's just something that she just does and it's fun for her. And it's just, if she has time, she'll write something, but you never really know. Someone could look at that and say, you know, I love this girl's style. I love how she writes. She makes me laugh. And they could offer her a book deal. You never know. That could happen in five years. It could happen in 10 years. It could happen next week. You never really know who's going to look at your blog. But the point is, if you're, if you're doing it for a business, like we were and trying to establish a brand for a particular purpose, it takes a lot of dedication, a lot of work, establish goals up front, work toward those goals diligently, and become a full-time job. It's not something you can just do when you might have a chance on the weekend or whatever. You have to have a fully committed person or people on hand to actually make that function. It'd be just like any other business. If you open up a store and you want to sell, you know, home products or whatever, and you just kind of go in when you have a chance to, you're probably never going to have any customers so they don't you're going to be open. Uh, it's the same concept. You're, with a blog, you're open 24 hours a day. 
and uh, you need to establish some some goals from that and actually put effort that that's actually um, you know that actually works with uh, your goal what, what you want to what, what you want to achieve. If I want to achieve um, my own show on Food Network, I need to what I'm doing in my blog to get more notoriety. And it's really the a lot of people don't realize how much work they're going to have to put into a blog in order to sell a product or sell their brand. And, and it is, um, I think, a common misconception. Got you. Really important. I mean, this is good. You know, again, it's something that, you know, it's like anything. It's like any type of business. I think, again, because of social media, because of the Internet, everyone immediately assumes that once you get published, that the audience is supposed to just automatically flock to you. But like any brick-and-mortar business that you would even start, it takes time. You have to consistently be finding ways to bring people into your, in, you know, into your shop. Unless you're in a mall and people, and you're selling cookies and people can smell, you know, the cookies, right? In the, you know, in the hallway, you've got to constantly find ways to lure people over. One point I did want to make sure that we address because I want to talk about the um, your your latest project uh, in a moment. But we, we, I think we kind of glossed over it, so I want to make sure we talk about it. Um, is getting out there and getting to those centers of influence, those key people. Um, how would you recommend someone listening to this? Because, again, that's a key component part. You're not sitting at home writing blog posts in your pajamas based on online research. You're getting out of the house, going out, talking to real-life people that can then become ambassadors. I'm sorry, that's the word you used earlier. Yes, right. Um, how do you recommend people connect with their with their ambassadors that can that can help them drive attention to the site? easy actually because we were um for our audience it's easy to approach the people who are are the influencers by going to um just going to a food truck or going to a restaurant talking to going to shows going to you know food and wine festivals etc the, the the point is you need to go out to where people are congregating for your particular topic so if you're into comics you go to comic-con right um, and you interact with people, and you, you, you get to people, and you talk to people, and you tell them about your blog. You actually, you know, give them, you have business cards made up, and give them your card and, and ask them to, to look at your blog. Connect with them on social media uh, and share their content. Um, become their brand ambassadors. And, and when you're posting, don't be shy ask them to share yours. And and that's one of the things I noticed a lot of people do. They just they they, they get the first part. It's oh well, I want um you know there's some really big blogger, let's say in your field and, and you really want that person to, to to take interest in what you're doing and, and share your work. So they're sharing their work. And that's basically what everyone's been told a million times. Retweet someone else's tweets if you want them to get notice of you because people love it when they when other people talk about them and that's true. But um, after a while, you 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 realize wait a minute they're not really looking at my content. <laughs> they might be grateful that I'm sharing theirs, but they're not looking at mine. Don't be shy about asking them. Hey, take a look at my blog post. Share their, share your blog post on on their on their social media page and and say. You know, I just wrote this blog post or feature them in a blog post, ask them for an interview. Um, those sort of things are really great ways to get out there. And most people won't say no. If you ask for, you know, I've approached different people and asked them if I could interview them, they instantly become a fan uh, because I took an interest in, in what they had to say. And I think that's the, the most important part. For example, Gordon Ramsay mentioned Stitches and Dishes on his Twitter page because we took the time and made the effort to drive to Los Angeles to visit his restaurant and run it to him while he was there. Um, me being a very outspoken person that I am, um, I approached Gordon and I met him before. And uh, of course he didn't recognize me, but uh, I, I reminded him that we had met once before and, um, and that I would love to have him in to talk with him. And uh, you just can't, it doesn't matter who the person is, no matter if they're a big, Gordon Ramsay star or, you know, who they are, ask them if they'll take some time with you, and chances are they will say yes. Just like Gordon did, he was busy at the restaurant, he was being interviewed by the media that day, yet he still needed the time, even though he knew that it was going to be a while. We waited, we were 
and he came out and he sat with me at the table and we talked and um and then he he tweeted about us after that and then we've stayed in touch so those things are really important develop a relationship in person like you said you cannot do it from your there are plenty of things that i do when i write the news for example I do for my desk research. I'm calling people. I usually do most of the work from it, but I'm still talking to people even on the phone. Um, that personal communication uh, can't be forgotten. And, and I think that a lot of people think that blogging is something that you can do in your pajamas from your, your bedroom in the middle of the night and just write whatever you want and people will just read it. But that's not the case because it's, they don't know who you are yet. So you need to get out there, interact with people, then engage with them on social media. Soon enough, they'll start sharing your content. And that's really what it's all about. Um, it is not about the numbers. I am um, very happy and proud to say we have 12,000 fans on, on Facebook. I was just as proud when we had 1,000 or when we had 150. Because right. when I had 150 fans, they were engaging with us. We were, we were talking with them on our Facebook page. It took a while before they started waking up and seeing what we were posting, but that did finally click. And when it did, then that, that 150 became 300. Then it was 1,000. Then it was 5,000. And the more we engaged with them, the more they liked us. And, you know, it's a it snowball. You just got to get out there and meet people, interact with them, let them know you're human, and it'll happen. Love it. I mean, this is really great stuff that you're sharing, Chris, because it's it's just that important. I think a lot of people out there are talking about a lot of different ways to do these things, and they're charging a lot of money to teach you how to do this stuff. And what you're what we're talking about and what you're sharing is really, I think, the playbook. I mean, it's like just get passionate, set goals, set up your platform, become brand ambassadors for other people, but let them know about you because they won't right. just do it unless you ask. Again, if it's on asking, reach out. You know, you've got a blog platform now, so ask them to interview with you. It's like most people are going to say yes. Most people, honestly, unless they're like major celebrities, probably never even get asked to be interviewed anyway. <laughs> so, right. so more often right. than not, they'll be really happy to say yes to you. And uh, and they'll share that with people. You know, they'll they'll let people know about it. So it is it is um it is a, a, you know, you have to give and you receive, but you also have to ask for what you want as well. And, That's right. Um, yeah. And not, and not be shy about it and, and, and be okay with, you know, being turned down for interviews or not getting a response. Because, you know, frankly, the only reason a celebrity or someone who's really popular uh, isn't responding when you're asking for an interview isn't because they, they dislike you or they're ignoring you or whatever. They're just busy. Um, honestly, I, I can say working on this project that we've been working on recently with the fundraiser you talked about, uh, I've had six different requests in the last couple of weeks from um, media for interviews, and, and they didn't even know it. I didn't even know I had this request because I've had so many other email messages that are buried. And so there are there are times that people won't even know that you're requesting their time and you have to go back and ask again and again and eventually they'll ask me see your request and and they'll probably respond if they have the time to interview they will and uh i don't think any celebrity or any person thinks that any publicity would be a bad thing they would they would want to have the interview most likely so you know you can't be you can't be afraid to ask so, Chris, I know that you have a new project that you're really passionate about right now, and it's around the controversy happening with Paula Dean. Can you tell us about that? What's going on? What are you doing? Sure. Um, so, you know, without going through all the details of Paula Dean's situation, because it is a long story, uh, so I have to say that I, I, I found um, some of the, uh, the, the reporting was, was um, a little off, and, uh, or I should say a lot off. And uh, I know I know people who are close to Paula, and I and I thought that the stories just didn't set right with me. So I started doing some research, and and suffice it to say, I found that um, it was irresponsible reporting that that uh, that started this controversy. And I I wanted to report more accurately on on the facts, so I I did that. I wrote a blog post that that laid out the facts of what these media outlets were reporting about Paula and her situation and racism in general. And, 
that garnered a lot of attention. There were a lot of a lot of media outlets, and Paula Dean herself, as well as her her staff, were um, immediately interested in what I had to say. And um, I became involved with a, a Facebook group that was started on uh, the day that that the news broke about Paula Dean and and racism allegations and whatnot. Uh, this page started on June 21st and um, instantly had uh, 250,000 new fans overnight, and it's grown since then to over 600,000 fans. Uh, and we've started a national campaign called the uh, Butter Rappers for Paula campaign, where um, people are sending in clean, used butter wrappers to all the companies that cut ties with Paula Dean, including Food Network and QVC and whatnot. Uh, GC Penny, Walmart, Target, and the list goes on. There are 11 different companies that have cut ties with Paula. I continued reporting on different aspects of her case, and then we launched a fundraiser um, uh, with, along with a website called Butter for Paula, where we're raising funds for her foundation that she had just launched this past May called the Bag Lady Foundation, which helps uh, women and, and children in need, financial need during transition periods and, and uh, times of financial crisis. Um, and like I said, it was just launched in, in May. So we started a fundraiser, and we have a, an Amazon store that we put together that sells Paula Dean products, and we're donating all of the proceeds, 100% of the proceeds, to the, the Bag Lady Foundation. And uh, we've been doing it all month, and so far we've raised uh, or we've sold uh, pretty close to twenty thousand dollars in uh, in merchandise, in Paladine merchandise, and I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> so it's, it's wow. been a it's been a really exciting uh, project. I'm fully, I'm I'm very proud and and and, and happy to to support Paula and 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 what she's going through. Um, and at the same time, I'm I'm just thrilled that we're able to raise this amount of money for her foundation. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And, you know, this is some very powerful lessons here is because, well, this is what I, this is my take on and what is what's going on is that, again, going back to what we talked about at the very top of, of today's, today's episode is that the passion drives everything. You start at Stitches and Dishes based on passion for food, passion for reporting, passion on sharing news stories. Uh, moving now into your soon-to-be second-year anniversary, and you're still devoted to that same passion for right. what you're doing, and it and and you're coinciding it with a story right now that is garnering a lot of attention. You're talking about responsible journalism. You're talking about, in a sense, almost advocacy in a way. Well, not it's not sense. I think it is advocacy, and mm-hmm. you're getting people mobilized. And this is what a lot of uh, you know listeners, as you're listening to this may not really fully grasp is that once you become a center of influence in which I believe Stitches and Dishes now truly has cemented cemented that is that people are looking to you to be that responsible journalist for being that person that's really you know creating conversations that need to happen I think that's where people really start to pay attention and I think you've done it beautifully and it's something that you're not just doing it for publicity you're sincerely like concerned with the state of of journalism and how stories are reported and how it can literally ruin or build up someone's reputation. Absolutely. I I I my very first passion in my life was writing and I, I think I mentioned to you earlier before we started the interview that as a kid, as a little kid, I I, I wrote and I wanted to be a, a reporter for some reason. I don't know what made me want to be a news reporter. But I found it fascinating, and I carried that with me through my whole childhood, and my first degree was in journalism and mass communications, and I never went to work as a journalist. I, I eventually went to business school instead and became a businessman, um, but I've always written as a freelancer, and I hold a high regard for ethical reporting, uh, and, and I think journalism in, in general used to be a very ethical, honest kind of job, you know, the, the people who would be reporting were people you could trust. Uh, they were checking their facts, and, and when they were telling those facts, when they were reporting on those facts, you knew that it was accurate because you heard it on the news. Uh, today, there's a great divide in our country um, in the media. Um, you're either liberal or you're conservative, and the media is either liberal or conservative, and they produce news stories 
based on media ratings, and that's about it. Um, and it's it's a sad situation. It really is. So with that said, as you're moving forward with your own plan for your own content, is that you want to be sure that obviously you are, you know, if you are reporting news-related stories, that you are doing your due diligence, you are, you know, finding out and checking your stories and checking your facts and making sure that you are reporting things as accurately as possible because, again, you don't know as we said, um, uh, you know, in the middle of the call here, you even though someone's not responding, someone's not liking, sharing, commenting, does not mean that they're not watching. And um, and so it becomes everyone's responsibility if you're going to use this platform now um, to be able, you know, to be as accurate as possible, to be as you know as ethical and honest and. And to give out information, it's going to be because the public is using what we're sharing for for our news. I mean, it's really, this is something that we can't underscore enough. So with that said, I mean, what Chris has done here, again, I, I want to just stop for a moment and say I am beyond proud of what you've accomplished, you and Andrew have accomplished, because, again, that little meeting two years ago, well, that big meeting two years ago, I mean, I I felt in my heart where it could go, but you really gotten in there and worked your butt off (laughs) (laughs) and made it and made it, made it something far greater than even I could really see Um, it, it really being in that, in that time. And so I want to just take my hat off to you and say heartfelt congratulations on your two year anniversary. What are you planning? Are you doing something for two years? You know, it went on so quickly that we you know, plans for, uh, we actually participated in an event and, um, and made it a big celebration. But uh, this year, we, we it just kind of crept up on us. We had so many things going on. And with the, with this current project with Paula Dean, um, honestly, hadn't even thought about it until I was thinking about this interview. And I realized, hey, this interview is happening right before our two-year anniversary, and we don't have any plans for our anniversary. <laughs> Maybe I'll just have a dinner out. I don't know. <laughs> we haven't yet. And so we're the time. We'll have to make a plan soon to do something for our anniversary, I think. Um, I think it definitely deserves a, a celebration Absolutely. of some kind. You know, it's, it's a Absolutely. huge accomplishment. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, whatever you decide to do, you know, do it, do it with style, as I know you will do, because it's <laughs> definitely well, well deserved. Congratulations to both Thank of you. you and Stitch. Of course, we can't, you know, this this wouldn't be possible without 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 the proud of the the proud mascot of the company, Mister Mister Stitch. So <laughs> we have a, a ham for a dog. <laughs> he is. He is a superstar. So for everyone listening, uh, please visit um, to learn more about Chris's blog and all of the amazing work that he's doing. Go to his website, stitchesanddishes.com. Don't worry about the spelling. Everything's going to be there in the show notes. I'll also have a link to his Facebook fan page. Uh, if I highly suggest that you click the like button and that we keep up with everything that's going on. I will also have my own notes about a lot of the things we talked about today, including blogging platforms and um, notes, and just, just general notes. I, I have a lot of stuff I'm going to share with you in addition to this podcast interview, which you're going to hear. Uh, just for your own uh, records here, you're going to be able to find the replay, download the MP3, see all of my show notes, and everything on getpaidforyourcreativity.com forward slash the number nine. That will be the page for everything related to today's interview. So uh, with that said, Chris, do you have any final uh, note thoughts or or just things you want to say before we wrap up? I guess my final thought would be um, stop missing what you could be eating. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. That's the slogan for Stitches and Dishes, and I absolutely adore that. Stop missing what you could be eating. And I'll tell you, I mean, I know there's a new term going around now called food porn, and I swear it's like when I look at Chris's page, if you're really hungry and you're not where you can go get food, don't look at it at 5 o'clock because (laughs) I swear. It is absolute food porn. I mean, the photography is amazing. The food that he picks is amazing, and you'll just love it. Really do. I highly recommend it. Like I said, go to the Facebook page. That's where everything Stitches and Dishes related is going on. That's sort of the hub. And then the blog, of course, everything is happening there. So please visit the website as well because, again, it's extraordinary. 
And weigh in on your thoughts about this whole Paula Dean controversy. It's a really interesting debate that's, I think, uh, I think it's you know it's interesting. We're having a lot of a lot of media attentions going around about race relations in this country right now, and um, with you know the Zimmerman case, and now with the Paula Deen controversy. So it'll be interesting where all this is going. But uh, I you know love to share your thoughts on on today's blog post uh, as well as on Chris's. So we appreciate that. And of course, uh, as everything said, be you know on the lookout. We'll be reporting five days a week. Uh, we have five new episodes coming out each week. Today is Interview Thursday, so I'm glad to have Chris on as my second interview for the new Get Pay for Your Creativity podcast, which I'm having a lot of fun doing. And again, to get the information, all the show notes and replay, go to getpayforyourcreativity.com forward slash the number nine for all the show notes. And remember to express yourself with passion and live on purpose every day. Chris, thank you so much, and everyone have a wonderful afternoon. Goodbye. Thank you, Rodney. I really appreciate your time. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Get Paid for Your Creativity podcast broadcast five days a week, Monday through Friday. Please visit our website at getpaidforyourcreativity.com for more information about the content shared on today's broadcast, including additional resources and show notes. And finally, express yourself with passion and live on purpose every single day. This is Rodney Washington, your host, signing off. Thank you.